You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 141. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We have a busy show for you planned this week in our case for, case against debate. We take a look at well-run network management service provider for the mortgage lending and insurance industry's Real Matters, Inc., symbol R-E-A-L, on the TSX. Despite the fact it holds a great balance sheet and the company's record financial results over this past year, the stock has been cut in half since its highs and is flat over the past year. Aaron argues the bull case, and I crush him with the bear case. And Uncle Brennan sits in as judge, jury, and executioner. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we answer a listener question on Powerband Solutions, Inc., symbol PBX on the TSX Venture, a well-promoted auto fintech. Powerbrand has an integrated cloud-based transaction platform facilitating transactions amongst consumers, dealers, funders, and manufacturers. It enables them to buy, sell, trade, finance, and lease new and used vehicles on any phone, tablet, PC, or anything connected to the internet. A listener asks us to make what to make of the company's reported sales numbers, and if the drop is an opportunity or a sign of things to come. Welcome. How are my co-hosts doing today? Doing great. We'll doing get great. into the show, Spring right? Is here. Weather's nice yeah. outside, so... No I mean, complaints. it was snowing a little bit yeah, in Saskatchewan today, so I oh. didn't really say <laughs> I did. Yeah, I saw some you didn't pictures hear of that Calgary yet, yesterday. Aaron, eh? It was covered in snow. Yeah, yeah. Back and forth. Yeah. Gotta love it, though. It's crazy. It was like... 22 degrees here um the past day and yeah, Vancouver yeah, yeah. crazy and then brennan in. tells me it's well i mean you said it was 20 <laughs> degrees there that's correct when yeah. it was like eight or nine here so i mean you guys fluctuate like yeah, it's crazy uh, like nobody's business over there but yeah it's crazy it is crazy. We finished our uh, webinars, our two two weekly segments there. Again, sold out last week. Great crowds, um, tremendous numbers. We had literally, every time we do these now, we're getting record numbers every, every three months when we do these. It's great to see all the participation, the questions we get. It's hard to get to all the questions and answer all those questions, but we uh, have been endeavoring to do that over the past week, and we'll keep doing those. If you are at that seminar and have any further questions, either book us, uh, book a quick 10-minute call with us or just reach out, and we'll answer in any, all, any and all your questions. Uh, I thought but it was, it was yeah, good. It was great it event. Was good. Um, one of the things I like is that every time we do the event, we have an opportunity to make a couple changes, and the core, the core message is always the same. Um, it doesn't really change. It's our, our focus and how we, we approach investing. But one of the things that we've done recently is we've, um, at the World Outlook Conference and then for our DIY seminars as well, we've opened up the opportunity for people to book 10-minute calls with us. And so we've had a lot of conversations, and I just found that we were able to implement a lot of the things that we 
talk to some of the guidance that we provide and like the tips, for example, on just like looking yeah. at your current portfolio and repairing it or improving it. Um, we learn a lot on the communication side and, and to be able to then, you know, um, put that into our DIYs and implement it into our DIYs is, is uh, it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun for us as well. So. Yeah, we've literally done hundreds of uh, individual calls this year alone, just since the start of this year. And, you know, you you get a good gauge of what people are talking about, what they're interested in. It really helps us for, you know, setting up the next set of these seminars, which will come back uh, probably late spring. And uh, one of the segments we talked about, I wanted to have a quick Quick overview of that today in our DIY webinars was just the common mistakes kind of investors make when building their investment portfolios or stock investing in general. Uh, and over the next couple of podcasts, we thought we'd go over in some quick three to five minute segments over these common mistakes that uh, our average investor makes. The first thing I'm going to go over right now quickly and then I'll let Brennan and Aaron comment, but that's just committing to the process. So I would say if you are serious about building that 15 to 25 stock portfolio, you've got to commit to it. Contrary to what people would think though, this does not include watching the markets on a daily basis unless you absolutely love it or it brings you some strange sense of fulfillment to an otherwise drab life, then go out, go ahead and do it. But if you're watching the talking heads on the daily financial networks, the BNNs, the CNBCs, uh, on a daily basis, this can actually be negative for your portfolio and for your mental well-being, I would say. In fact, we advise against it. You will sleep easier at night. What I mean, too, is when you're seeing that process through, see it through fully. If you buy the first two or four stocks in the first month and the stocks go down or the market corrects, it is not the time to com just quit the process. Keep buying great companies over the prescribed 12 to 24 month period. Build that portfolio strategically over time. Commit to it and see it through. Now evaluate the process in years, not days or months and stick to the plan. The worst thing you can do is abandon the plan and start looking for other strategies or piecing together an ad hoc strategy. Stick to it. Not every stock will perform perfectly. Expect several of the 15 to 25 stocks you purchase to not perform as expected. But if the majority do and two or three perform extremely well, we believe your overall portfolio returns will exceed expectations when you look at that portfolio in two, three, five, and 10 years down the road. So stick to that process, commit it and stick to it. So Any one of the things, yeah, one of the things you talked about, Ryan, that uh, that was a segment of the DIY seminar is how two or three incredible companies, um, just over a light a single lifetime, can can be absolutely um, transformational to a portfolio. So you highlighted past Keystone recommendations, Boyd Group, uh, Xpel, and I believe Eng House, and those are companies that have had multi thousand yes. percent returns over a period of time. Um, you only need a few of those in a lifetime. Um, but I believe that that at some point after the recommendation, certainly a Boyd um, and Eng House, and I believe Xpel as well, wasn't there not a period where all of those stocks um, went down temporarily? Um, yeah, and, yeah, initially, yeah. yeah. So if you if you had just sold out or you know had a like people always ask about setting uh, ten percent stops after a stock, and you know if you buy the business, believe it in it see the underlying value and you know in the short term the market itself reacts against you you should not you know be panicking and selling out it's, it can be some of the worst things you can do and yeah when 
initially we recommended it expel. You know, there was a 10% haircut over the next two or three months. It was a tremendous time to buy. And, you know, if you would have, you know, the stock went down 15, 20 cents. If you, you know, from a dollar 40 or a dollar 50 goes down to a dollar 30, literally nothing was going wrong with the business. It's just the markets fluctuate overall over any given month or two or three month period. Um, it was a time to keep buying. And then, you know, within six to nine months, the stock had doubled. Um, that's not our expectation for every stock we recommend, but we certainly wouldn't want to be nickeling, diming, taking, you know, taking our position out after we see a 10% move down or anything like that. It can happen in any market to any company. And if there's no news against the stock, nothing that comes out negative, it's certainly not the time to, it's not the time to trim that company or, or sell or panic out of that company. In fact, it can be a time to add more if, uh, if it's a good business you like. It, it is strange, the psychology in the stock market. Um, if you were going to buy a car, you know, you're going to go out there and make that major purchase on a car. If it came 10% off or 20 or 30% off, uh, you'd run out to buy that car. In the stock market, if nothing else happens to that business and it goes 10%, 20%, 30%, people panic and, and run away from the business. Uh, if it's a good business and the stock is just off, in sympathy with the overall market, those are the best times to buy when things, good businesses are on sale. And you, For gotta, sure. you gotta learn that over time. And if I could also like just kind of build off of the commit to the process, and like this is more maybe a little bit of a tangent, but it's kind of talking about the entire portfolio building. And you know, um, I guess it especially speaks to uh, earlier investors who are just kind of starting their portfolio building plan and starting to, you know, add money to their account. You know, one of the biggest things I think is making sure that you're saving a certain percentage of your wage and continually putting it into your portfolio uh, to, you know, invest in the future. Now, like I've had a, like many of my friends come to me and say, Brennan, you know, I've seen some of your awesome stocks that your company's recommended. I want to start investing. I've got $2,000 to invest today. Can you turn that into, you know, 500000 tomorrow? And it's like, no, it's it's the process. You need to commit <laughs> to the process of continually adding, saving that money. Uh, you know, Kevin O'Leary's mom always talked about saving 30% of her, her salary and putting it into her portfolio. Now I know that's a huge amount. That's probably not feasible for many people. Um, but, but that is what will set you up for success in the long run, building your portfolio, you know, saving, having, making sure that you have enough capital to take advantage of these opportunities that we come across, like Expel, Boyd, Edge House, uh, everyone on the podcast or that listens to the podcast, they've heard, they've heard of the names, but uh, that's, you know, just my two cents on, you know, committing to the process as well. Yep. Committing to putting savings. And it's really about, and it, it's as it's, it's really about in reinvesting it on that success as well. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Now we're going to get to our case for case against debate. We're going to dig into Real Matters Inc., symbol R-E-A-L, or real on the TSX. Priced around $15.96, $1.36 billion market cap. What does Real do? They are a provider of network management solutions in North American for North American lenders and insurers. Uh, its platform leverages independent field agents to deliver appraisal and title and closing services. Real is based in Toronto, Canada. Brennan, you are the judge, jury, and executioner. You want to flip to see if we go case for or case against? Um, you guys already did that. Um, I'll take... For, for, who goes first, you mean? No, who no. Who goes first, you mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, who goes yeah, first? Yes, yes. 
That's what um, I mean. So Sorry. yeah, just so everyone knows, we I'll, did flip I'll take off air. Yeah, we did flip off air. So Aaron is for, Ryan is against, Ryan is taking heads. It is heads. So Ryan is first. Okay, I will go first. Ryan's going first. Okay, so I think Ryan, you're you're the defending champion, are you not? Yep. Champion so of the, the world. The pressure's on me because I believe Ryan informed us uh, one or two podcasts ago that he's actually undefeated, and and that's uh, that's a pretty amazing achievement. So that puts a lot of pressure on me, but you know I'm coming in here. Humble. I like it. That's like good. It. You should. Okay, be so uh, are you? It's are the you one ready, thing Ryan? you are humble at. I've gone up against you know Brennan the last couple of times. Wow. I can't remember. I think we're one in one. And uh, that's that was you know great experience because Brennan always brings. I mean, I do have the best record, so I mean, you know, just kidding. That's that's the, a lot. The record, yeah. <laughs> okay, the, the right. Consecutive streak. Okay, right. The consecutive um, streak of the, the consecutive okay. streaks of L's. Okay, so I'm gonna count. Are you you ready? I'm gonna count you in from three, two, one, and yes. Go. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Real traded at a premium multiple, appearing to offer growth at a reasonable price in anticipation of a multi-year rate refinance cycle. As rates have moved higher, those prospects grow dim. Investors and homeowners stop refinancing if they are locked in at lower rates. Real now smells like a value trap. Consensus earnings call for $0.61 cents per share this year, 74%, 74% next year, and lower to 64 in 2023. Despite the drop, valuations are not cheap at 26 times this year's expected earnings with minimal growth expected over the next three years and a decline, like we said, in year three. The company has pulled revenue and cash flow guidance in favor of murky market share guidance. Adding to the uncertainty, Reels founder has continued to sell aggressively over the past year, dumping over... 25% of his holdings over the past month alone. Not a vote of confidence. With uncertain growth, I am not interested in real right now. Okay, two seconds to spare. Nice. I mic drop on that. Good job. Ah. Okay, Aaron, I'm secretly Thanks, hoping Judge. for you, just so you, uh, so you okay. can take, take down Ryan here, you know? Uh, are you ready? Well, we'll see. We'll see. You're okay. I'm I'm ready to Three, go. You tell me. Two, tell me when. One go. Real Matters may be a rare opportunity in the Canadian market. It's been high growth. It's a technology company, cash-rich balance sheet, and I think a reasonable valuation. The company has a track record of profitable growth and has been growing its revenue and earnings at a double-digit rate. 25% increase in net revenue, 40% increase in adjusted earnings in the last quarter. The company has increased its market share both in its U.S. appraisal and title segments and is targeting significant market share gains in the appraisal business in 2021. Cash-rich balance sheet with $110 million in net cash. The biggest risk would likely be a drop in the real estate market, but there has been not many signs of that so far. Even if this were to happen, the company could be very well positioned to utilize its cash-rich balance sheet to accelerate its market share gains. Trades at about 27 times earnings, 18 times EV to EBITDA. Considering where many technology companies trade, the high growth, the cash-rich balance sheet, I don't think the valuation looks too bad here. Nice. Six seconds to spare. I won't even let it go. Ooh. Nice. Can I just say before we get to the judgment, when the judge is secretly hoping for your hey opponent, now, can hey you get now. a fair trial? Can I can I just say that right ahead of time? Hey. Sounds like you're you're claiming that this I haven't came up with the process is rigged, right? I'm inoculating the judge. Is that your claim? So he's gonna feel bad. It could right, be sounds rigged. like you're claiming that 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 this is rigged. Do you have any evidence? Ah, uh, just his statement right ahead of this. I mean that that's oh, pretty okay. it's pretty damning, is it not? <laughs> So need I, I guess else? like I, wow. one question that I'd have <laughs> that I wish I knew from just looking at the company itself is 
you know, what makes up most of its sales? Is it appraisal? Is it uh, refinancing? I don't know. So based on just the information that was provided to me, you know, Aaron was saying that U.S. appraisals are going up. And I believe that because housing's hot right now. Ryan is also correct, though, that since rates are going up, people aren't going to be refinancing, of course, which, you know, obviously uh, real isn't going to have, you know, that growth in revenue there. Now, looking forward, Ryan did say that uh, I think it was 2022 consensus estimate was that essentially it's going to be uh, EPS is going to be flat over the next two years. It's going to go up and then come back down. So based on this, based on the stock still trading at 26 times, I am unfortunately going to say that Ryan is the winner. Oh, Sorry, Aaron. Honestly, I was. I apologize. That's, that's your opinion. That's your opinion. Brandon. I like uh, to be on the side of the winner. Yeah, that's what Brandon I, said. I, I also have to say, yeah, I, I actually agree with Ryan when the judge before says that he's hoping <laughs> that the other person. Like, I would never think that Brendan would actually, no. you know, allow that mm. to enter into his judgment, and clearly he didn't. But I would say that if you did go for me, it would have been, been tainted, like a, right? A bittersweet. You victory. don't. You don't want to yes, take a win that way. So I would actually rather my first victory against Ryan not not be I'll watch my mouth next time next it's time actually a win I'll do that a loss is a win don't in worry, this case that's what Aaron's you, saying <laughs> if you had, if you had judged in my favor I would have defended that somehow <laughs> yeah. I would have justified it but yeah since of uh, course since you didn't I can no I mean, I'd say for for me, real real is a a, a decent story. Like, I mean, it, it's a, and I think the company is, um, you know, it is a potential opportunity if you're looking long term. Because I mean, there is cash there. I think the business eventually diversifies into some other elements of the market. Like into, I mean, they are looking to make a technology based acquisition. So there is some interest there. They're building up cash flow. They will build up cash. It's just for me, if I do look at a business, I'd like to see growth but at a reasonable price. Here, you know, in the tech field, it's probably a relatively reasonable price. But if we do see you know, this black cloud hanging over the company of a declining growth potentially over the next, uh, sometime in the next two to three years, um, it's probably not the point for me to buy at this point. Yeah, I, I you know, my question was um, as well, like, what makes up most of their revenue? Is it appraisals or is it the refinancing? It is appraisals, yeah. but title oh, okay. actually, I believe, okay. makes up most I, of their yes. profit. Yeah, title is, I believe, mm-hmm. better margin. The, the you know, appraisal, margin, I mean, yeah. they've also just, one of them they just moved into, I can't remember which is uh, the one they just, you know, they're just moving. I think they're looking in U.S. title, they're really, they like, they have a vote. I mean, it's still a massive market, and they have only about a 2% market share in U.S. title. But they're looking to bring on some T, some higher-end lenders, I think, over the next year. Now, if they can do that and grow there, it's just, you know, like that 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 scenario that I, I talked about as the rates increase, they, they ha- they'll have, and in the near term, I think, like, volume should be up. More people are refinancing. Are they these waivers that went into appraisal waivers that have gone forward in the U.S. that allow for them, you know, not, they don't need the appraisal, appraisals to go ahead with the um, the refinance. So, you know, that's kind of thrown a wrench into the situation too. I think it's but a little murky. have we been hearing about this when rates increase for, for 10 years? Yeah. 
But right? even like that, even then, at some point, like for 10 years. you're refinancing, even if they bought them out, right? You're refinancing volumes at some point, you know, everybody's at a low rate, so you don't have as much of the refinance, right? So they, they have to keep going lower to have a refinance over time, you would believe. I mean, that's just the way the market works. So but if we do go lower, I mean, it can, it can go yeah. lower, right? Yeah. Although population yeah. growth... Long term, and and there's an argument to be yeah. made. They well, have a great have platform come up since since they since they bottomed out in the um like during uh yeah right after the pandemic hit yeah shortly after they have come up from there yeah, yeah. um they could uh, go I can't imagine them getting much lower than they were but I mean I couldn't imagine them getting that low five years ago so. yeah I mean you could look at their platform being a disruptive platform in that market and you know it it potentially is so you could see growth long term in this business i do on i do look at the ceo selling the founder selling and um and wonder uh why there is a massive degree of selling going on there and just um you know sometimes there's sometimes there's the reason though yeah, right true. i mean it may be um sometimes somebody has to split their their estate maybe there's you know a divorce or there's some we've seen know, that before yeah. for you know estate it's just yeah, I mean it. It, it uh, and also, you know, depending. I mean, if ninety nine percent of your wealth is locked up in one business, I don't really fault somebody for you know. But this is a question. I mean, certainly, it's something. If you're going to invest, it's something that that you know you might want to know. And I've asked people straight up if I've seen that, and I'm interviewing management. We would ask straight up why, you know. And there are some good answers, and there are some answers that obviously aren't, such as. Just not getting an answer. Yeah. Usually, if you're not getting an answer, yeah. I don't want to tell you. That usually doesn't ring that, too yeah, so. too well with us. So, if there's okay. a reasonable explanation, then usually yeah. they'll say, "All right." Yeah, it's true, and it, it is individual to each company. In this case, it is a large amount and large overall dollar amount. And to see 25 percent of his holdings uh, in a month sold off again after already aggressively selling before that is something that we would note and uh, want to talk to management about before we made any recommendation on the stock. So we're going to look. Brennan's going to take our Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. That is on PowerBand Solutions, PBX on the TSX Venture. We have uh, reviewed this company on a question from a listener over the past year. Brandon's going to take another look at them right now. I sure am. So Powerband Solutions, Inc., PBX on the TSX Venture, as Ryan said, currently trading at a price of $0.63 cents and has a market cap of approximately $88.7 million. Now, Powerband Solutions is a technology company that provides the automotive industry with web-based vehicle auction, remarketing, leasing, and finance service and software programs for automotive dealers and consumers. The software is hosted in Microsoft's Azure cloud and offers a number of distinct but interconnected product offerings to its clients. Now, quickly looking at the stock performance, um, PBX has had a very volatile 2021 so far. At the beginning of the year, the stock was trading at about 30 cents per share. And by mid-March, the stock was up over 390% to a high of $1.49. But it has since retraced some of these gains, trading back in the 60 cent range. Now, what is driving this performance? To be completely honest, I think it was a bit of a misunderstanding from the market on some of the information it provided in its news releases, but let's take a look. We'll get into that in a bit here. 
So looking at the company's most recent financial results for Q3 of 2020, for the period ended September 30th of 2020, revenue was uh, 576,000, up about 25% from Q3 of 2019. Net loss for the quarter was a loss of 2.9 million compared to a loss of 2.5 million for the same quarter last year. Um, and from this period, which again was ended September 30th of 2020, uh, 12 trailing month adjusted EBITDA was still a loss of 5.9 million as well. And we're looking at a trailing price to sales multiple of over 40 times, which I would say is expensive. Now, as you can tell, it has been a little bit since the company released up-to-date audited financial results, as these results just mentioned are still from the period ended last fall. But nonetheless, the company has come out with a couple of short news releases indicating gross sales, which is a non-IFRS measure, meaning that the figure is not recognized by auditors, so we are putting our faith in the company by trusting the figure. Um, but in this news release, anyways, the company announced that at March 2021, year-to-date gross sales were 26.3 million. Now, personally, after reading these, this news release, which indicated gross sales, I was a little confused. I had just run the trailing revenues on the company, and they posted 12 trailing month audited revenue of 2.1 million. So I was thinking, what gives here? And to be completely honest, I think the market was a little confused too, as the company made a news release to clarify what it meant by gross sales. And this is what the CEO's response was. To clarify, gross sales are expected to translate into increased power band revenues, which are determined by commissions, fees, and other arrangements that represent a percentage of gross sales carried out uh, on the driver's platform, uh, which is their platform. Uh, revenue results will be released in audited statements as required by regulators. And they continued to say, we do wish to clarify details of the December 14th, 2020 uh, press release, which stated the sales of 1 million reported for the first six months of 2020 are IFRS gap revenue. The gross sales of 21.7 million for the full 12 months of 2020 is IFRS gap or is non IFRS gap revenue. Sorry. So this raises absolute red flags in my mind. Not only is the company touting gross sales, which from my understanding are just gross vehicle and financing transactions completed on their platform, which do not reflect the economic sales of the company. They can't even provide us uh, with an apples to apples comparable period of six months. So if we simply just annualize six month audited sales for the 2020 uh, fiscal or for the six month period, uh, we get approximately $2 million. Now, this is a huge difference from the gross sales of $21.7 million for the full year of 2020. Now, to conclude, I think this is pretty straightforward that Powerband Solutions does not meet our criteria. I'm a car guy, which I've said many times on the podcast, so I certainly like the industry and the branding of its products, but it is not profitable. They traded over 40 times sales from the most recent audited results that I could find, and it actually angers me a bit when a company reports figures that I do not believe reflect the economic value of the company. Management teams are supposed to provide information to shareholders that are decision useful, meaning the information is accurate and relevant. Now, I certainly believe the results are accurate, but I struggle to find how posting gross sales are relevant uh, to the economic value of the underlying company. Yeah, no, I mean that—that's—that's that's, perfect. Um, yeah. That's highly misleading, as as far as I'm concerned. And and just as a general principle of investing, anytime 
something seems complicated, especially something that should be relatively simple, like your revenue st your revenue line. Uh, when when uh, management really has to explain a lot of complications and it's difficult to understand, there's there's typically a problem. So I guess this would be like if you had a, uh, a real estate um, agency um, with real estate agents selling selling houses. You know they get a three percent commission. Um, gross revenues to them would be if they essentially considered everybody's sale of a house, the full value of the house to be part of their revenues, which would be, I, I don't understand how you justify that. Great analogy though. Great analogy to, to get the, the thought across for yeah. sure. I mean, they could give, they could give a percentage increase to say, cause potentially that would translate into a percentage increase to the percentage that they get oh, from absolutely. the overall a sales. Activity, and that would be a, a worthwhile metric. Yeah, but giving a gross figure, mm -hmm. you know, of 21 million, uh, and comparing it to periods where you didn't have that acquisition as well in the fold, um, you know, it's and the fact that you have to go out there and clarify to the market. And honestly, when we read through this, it still doesn't clarify because it doesn't talk about it talks about that, you know, their gross sales were a certain figure. And then they're, they're getting a percentage out of that, but it doesn't talk about the percentage. Uh, so it really doesn't still give you an indication of what percentage of your gross sales this company is taking in. If they give you a figure and give you at least a ballpark or range of what percentage they are taking in, uh, it would give you more relevant information. Mm -hmm. It does seem like just putting out a big number for the sake of, you know, being impressing the market, not that this is a misleading number. It likely is, and it is the gross sales number. It's just a big number for impact statement when really uh, the actual sales numbers are far lower. So, you know, providing those sales numbers, get those out there. We'll take a look after the year-end results come out and uh, yep. see uh, what the numbers are and then how profitable the business is, if at all, at these levels. And I truly believe that uh, there was some confusion by the market I mean, and I, I guess there clearly was because the share price sold off significantly you know, after clarified uh, what they were saying. But it's just crazy that, you know, um, like they're talking about where uh, we do wish to clarify details of the December 14th, 2020 press release. Well, on December 14th of 2020, the stock was trading at around 25 cents. And literally after that, it just went straight up. Basically, it just went on a tear. So I really think that the market was a little confused on exactly what they were saying. Um, you know, maybe there were some uninformed. Yeah, it should be the management's but. job to make it as simple as possible and, and not distort at all and just make, you know, any, any analysis of the company as simple as possible and uh, whether or not that was going on here. When you have to clarify, you know, maybe it brings into question whether or not it was uh, bringing out information that was simple to analyze. So it should be as simple uh, if there's, you know, if you have good growth, Tell us that growth in your actual revenues, not platform revenues, really, for, in my opinion. I agree. Now, okay, that's going to close off our show this week. Keep your questions coming in to our, uh, for our Your Stock, Our Take segments. We can review companies like Powerband on a weekly basis. Keep rating and reviewing us on, uh, on iTunes or anywhere you get your, uh, on social media or anywhere you get your podcasts. And we'll keep providing this good content. If you want to tell us that, uh, heck, I can't believe you're saying that about Powerband. I love this company. You know, there is good growth there. But if you want to talk to us about it, do that. Uh, or if you want to say, I agree, tell us you agree as well. 
Uh, and I'd like to wish everybody out there, as always, profitable investing. Thank you. Profitable investing. Thanks, everyone.